Welcome to another edition of the Wellness Talk Podcast. I am George Batista, your host and your wellness advocate. Wellness Talk's the show that goes over the latest in health, healing, nutrition, fitness, everything we can do to help you take responsibility for your health and hopefully help you live a longer and healthier life. As always, we've got brand new information for you this week. First, out of the University of Georgia, colorful fresh foods improve athletes' vision. So, you think about it, athletes are always trying to gain the advantage, right? Especially in vision, you know, they're on the field, they have to be able to see long distances, right? You, you know, think about the outfielders in, in uh, baseball, think about the wide receivers in football, or even in golf, they need to be able to see over those long distances. So anything they can do to gain the advantage, obviously is a good thing. Well, out of the University of Georgia, they're now showing that if you have a higher intake of fruits and vegetables, especially the multicolored fruits and vegetables, it actually can help athletes and their vision. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the specific things that are in these fruits and vegetables that help to build up in the eye that can help, uh, again, athletes, you know, gain the advantage. So this is good information on this. Then from the wellness company, natokinase and nigella stevia extract show promise in treating pulmonary fibrosis. Now, uh, natokinase has been getting uh, more press lately, especially from the wellness company, because uh, they're showing that it can do many, many things. It can help you in many different ways. And uh, pulmonary fibrosis, we know it's one of the common consequences of COVID-19, but it actually affects one in 200 adults over the age of 70 in the United States. And it's, you know, it's something that can be a, a significant problem in terms of breathing and that type of thing. Well, they've done some great studies on this, natokinase and this uh, um, nigella sativa extract, which is an herb, actually show improvements in people with pulmonary fibrosis. Not, well, they did two studies. One was an animal study and one was a people study. So we'll go over those specific studies and exactly what kind of improvements were shown. Then our main topic today is from Wellness Resources, and this is liver health and weight management. And specifically, we're going to talk about fatty liver and why it is so prevalent uh, all around the world, but specifically in the United States. And it's it's a big problem. It's a bigger problem. I actually posted a couple of articles on georgiapatista.com and definitely check those out. And one of them was actually from NBC News, okay? So you know when it's a mainstream article, it's a big deal, okay? And they were talking about fatty liver and they were talking about the numbers. So we're going to go over the numbers of fatty liver. We're going to uh, talk about exactly why it's such a big deal, um, what, what's the biochemistry of it, okay? Why, um, why does the liver get fatty? And uh, what you can do to help reduce the chances of you having fatty liver and or even reverse it if you are dealing with it. So we're going to talk about that. Um, that's going to be our main topic for today. And then finally, uh, at the end, we have some words of wisdom from a 100-year-old doctor and nutritionist. And he's going to talk about exactly um, why you should be leading a healthy lifestyle, what he's done to live a healthy lifestyle, and uh, just some words of wisdom to take with you at the end of the day from a gentleman who's a century year old and um, still going strong. 
So I think it's great information for you guys to take with you. So that's what we got on tap for today. As always, uh, go to georgiabatista.com. Make sure you check out all the articles that are there. Again, you know, I always post more articles than I have the time to go over. That's why I always suggest you guys take a look at them, read through them. Don't always just go by what I say because I just go over the highlights. But just kind of go through them specifically, you know, get the specifics and then like, share and, you know, subscribe and then share those articles with friends and family. Because the more people we can get on board with this, the better it is. Right. And of course, as always, if you want to get those articles in your email, make sure that you subscribe to uh, the uh, newsletter because it's very, very important that, you you know, if you really want to get those articles weekly and you want to go through those articles you know, subscribe because they'll come into your email address every single week. And of course, if you want to support the show, there's a support the show uh, button at the front of the website. Anything you can do to support us goes right back into the show. And for those of you who support us on a regular basis, thank you so much. The numbers are growing, by the way, on this show. Okay. Every week, there's a brand new folks that are listening and watching and that type of thing. So spread the word. And for those of you who are listening for the first time, thank you so much. We have actually a lot of nutritionists, a lot of doctors that listen in and uh, like to get brand new information. So thank you for listening in and, uh, you know, take us with you on your health journey. All right, let's get started on our articles for the week. First, from University of Georgia, colorful fresh foods improve athletes' vision. So... This was a paper which was published in Exercise and Sports Science Reviews, and it examines how a group of plant compounds that build up in the retina, known as macular pigments, work to improve eye health and functional vision. Now, the two compounds, and many of you know them because they're, I've talked about them on this show, Lots of people talk about them. They're lutein and zeaxanthin, and they help to not only improve eye health, but brain health. And they've been shown that in plenty of research. And there's been a lot of research on these compounds, okay? But um, they focused specifically on, you know, they've looked at pilots and how pilots are able to, you know, view long distances and those types of things, okay? But now they're focusing on athletes. And they're showing um, why it's important for athletes to have this, these compounds in really, really high amounts. Now, keep in mind what they say here is that the reason why objects get harder to see and appear fuzzier the further they are from our eyes is thanks to in part to the effects of blue light. Okay, now blue light comes in many forms, right? We get blue light, you know, obviously in the outdoors, you get blue lights when you're looking at computers or when you're looking at phones and all. So blue blue light is, a, is an issue, especially with your eyes, right? That's why I've talked about trying to uh, minimize blue light when you're going to bed or, you know, when you're inside or do everything you can to wear blue blockers, do everything you can to try to minimize blue light as much as possible because it has a, you know, it can have a major effect. And again, you know, major, you know, athletes specifically, you know, athletes in major sports are doing everything they can from wearing blue blocker glasses and stuff like that to try to improve their eye health. But They're showing here in these studies that eating more foods rich in lutein and zeaxanthin can improve the eye's natural ability to handle blue light exposure, okay? So when a person absorbs lutein and zeaxanthin, the compounds collect as yellow pigments in the retina and act as a filter to prevent the blue light from entering the eye, 
very important now. In a long series of studies, we've shown that increasing, increasing and this is, by the way, a um, this is directly from the study itself, okay? Um, they say a long der- a series of studies, we've shown that increasing amounts of lutein and zeaxanthin in the retina and brain decrease glare uh, disability and discomfort and improve uh, chromatic contrast and visual motor reaction time. And supplementing with these compounds facilitates executive functions like problem solving and memory. So it's not only, it's not only just you know, vision, okay, but also helps with the problem solving and memory. Obviously, athletes need these tasks, right? They need to be able to do these things very, very quickly, whether it's on the field, whether, you know, on the football field, baseball field, whether it's in golf and tennis and all these types of things. So this is significant here, okay, because, um, you know, obviously higher fruits and vegetables is going to help your overall performance, right? Because you're getting what's called all these antioxidants and these antioxidants are going to lower inflammation, but are also going to help you cognitively and with vision as well. Now, where can we find these compounds very quickly? Obviously your dark leafy greens are going to be very, very rich in them. Your green peas, your carrots, your pumpkin, your broccoli, Everything that's colorful is going to, is going to help this. Okay. Now you have to remember, when you're an athlete, right? Athletes specifically are doing all the things they can do to stay on the field longer. So they're going to be obviously exercising for long periods of time. They're going to be, you know, doing all these different types of trainings that they can do. And then obviously when they're on the field, specifically football fields and tennis and all that, they're running, they're creating inflammation, okay? They're creating inflammation in their body just by the, uh, you know, just by what they do, okay? And running and jumping and diving and all these types of things, okay? You're creating lots of inflammation. Now, that's just a byproduct of what you're doing on the field, Okay, but think about it. If you're taking in these high fruits and vegetables, number one, you're taking in the antioxidants to help uh, bring down the inflammation. You're also helping your vision. You're helping your cognitive ability, your problem solving, your focus, all these types of things. Because remember, all these fruits, fresh fruits and vegetables, that's what they do. All these antioxidants, that's what they do. So taking in these antioxidants at higher ORAC scores is the the main thing to do, okay? This is what you want to do. And, you know, if you want to supplement them, that's great too. They talk about supplementation here as well. So, but if you want to get both, you know, um, both the, the, the best effects, eating the fruits and vegetables obviously is number one, and then supplementing on top of that is number two. So if you can get the best of both worlds, uh, that's a great thing. But it's showing here good news for athletes, um, and um, get your fruits and vegetables as much as you can, whether you're supplementing, eating, or both. It's going to help you on the fields, and uh, that's good news. Next, natokinase and nigella stevia extract show promise in treating pulmonary fibrosis. So let's talk a little bit about pulmonary fibrosis. So what it is is it's a condition where um, a, a clotting protein called fibrin builds up in the lung connective tissues, okay? And it can actually make the lungs more stiff, okay? And scarred and can actually make it harder to breathe. So for example, it can um, it can become a problem, especially if you're breathing in and out because it can affect expansion and contraction of the lung tissue, okay? This can lead to shortness of breath. This can lead to fatigue, 
uh, markedly reduced quality of life, especially those who you know may want to exercise and those types of things. So it can be a debilitating issue for people. Okay, but the good news is that natokinase and nigella stevia extract may improve symptoms and the quality of life in people with this debilitating condition. So there was two studies on this. One was an animal study and one was a people study. Okay. So the first study in question was an open-label perspective trial conducted on a small sample of people with a confirmed diagnosis of pulmonary fibrosis. Okay. And um, by the way, um, natokinase, for those of you who don't know, it's an enzyme found in fermented soybeans. And you also find it in a Japanese food called natto. Now, natto is not really eaten in the States much, but it's definitely eaten in Japan. Um, you get a lot of vitamin K out of that as well. Okay, A lot of people associate that vitamin K with natto and natokinase and that type of thing. Now, the study participants received supplement, uh, supplements containing the two enzymes for 12 weeks and then completed a questionnaire at the beginning and at the end. Now, this is what the results show. Results showed that most participants experienced significant improvements in their symptoms, overall well-being. Specific improvements were noted in mental and physical health, as well as the severity of shortness of breath. And the benefits were seen in, in more than 84.6% of the subjects, depending on what they measured. So 84% of the subjects got great results from these compounds fantastic news okay this is great and this was people now this was not animals so that's what makes this significant okay now there was another study this was a study on rats and this was specifically with nigella stevia extract now nigella stevia extract is a uh, is derived from black cumin seed okay it's been used for thousands of years uh, for all different types of conditions, okay? But they focused here on rats with pulmonary fibrosis. It was actually 52 rats in this study. So they gave them uh, the um, nigella stevia extract, and then the lung tissues were examined at the end of each period and inspected for the amount of hydroxyproline and biomarkers for oxidative stress and inflammation. The results showed that nigella stevia extract was effective in reducing inflammation and fibrosis in the lung tissue. Additionally, the extract helped decrease hydroxyproline concentration, which is a marker of fibrosis, and improved antioxidant activity in the lungs. So again, I know this was a rat study, but this is fantastic news because again, it's showing that these types of uh, compounds have great ability to do, um, you know, a, a, you know, great ability to improve markers of inflammation. Okay, again, people study and rat study. You know, great news for this. So, you know, I would suggest taking a look at these compounds. Now, the wellness company does have a great supplement with natokinase and nigella stevia extracts. So for those of you who are looking for a great, you know, supplement, take a look at the wellness company on this because. They're doing great work. And natokinase, by the way, has been, you know, they've been talking about a lot more recently because it's been shown to be, you know, beneficial in many different uh, 
many different um, situations, specifically p- people with COVID-19 and dealing with you know, consequences of that as well. So again, take a look at the wellness company. We talk about them all the time. They have a great supplement on that. But great news for those of you dealing with uh, pulmonary fibrosis. Obviously, you got to talk to your doctor you know, if you're on medications for that. But this is good news, and hopefully there'll be more information coming out about this. All right, next. From Wellness Resources, Liver Health and Weight Management. Specifically, we're going to be talking about liver health and fatty liver disease. So let's go over the numbers as we typically do. The United States has the highest obesity rate in the world. Like, that's a surprise. We know that. Okay. 110 million obese adults, according to 2016 data from the World Health Organization. Okay. But... Let's talk about fatty liver specifically, okay? Fatty liver uh, concerns now affect one in four worldwide in the United States, and an estimated 90% of obese individuals have fatty liver. And when we talk about fatty liver, we're talking about non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, very different from fatty liver disease derived from alcoholics, okay? It's actually becoming even more prevalent than that, okay? Because we used to, you know, it used to be that alcoholics used to deal, you know, used to see uh, fatty liver and alcoholics many, many years ago, right? That was a normal thing because obviously you're, you know, you're drinking alcohol to excess. You're going to damage liver. There's going to, you're going to, it could lead to cirrhosis and liver cancer and all those types of things. So that was more of a normal thing. But now we're seeing non-alcoholic fatty liver disease in people who don't even drink. This is a huge problem. Okay. Huge problem. Okay. So they've done studies on this. Okay. And when they looked at it, there was a study from the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, an analysis of data from 32,726 adults who participated in that study revealed that overall non-alcoholic fatty liver disease rose from 16% in 1988 to 37% in 2018, an increase of 131%. That's crazy. Okay. And we know that lifestyle is pretty much the culprit of this. Okay. So this is why we have to do everything we can to get our liver in in as best shape as possible. Because if not, we're doing some, you know, you're, you're, you're not only doing some bad damage, but it's going to lead to severity of different types of symptoms, all different types of things. So think, let's talk about your liver, for example, okay, and why it's so important. Your liver plays a central role in the metabolism of all your calories, okay? It could be the food that you're eating. It could be the medicine that you're taking. It could be the supplements that you're taking, okay? Now, during weight gain specifically, when you're starting to gain weight, you know, all different types of ways, right? Especially in the midsections, okay? It's kind of like an inflammatory punch in the nose to the liver, okay? An inflammatory punch in the nose that's coming you know, from your white adipose tissue, okay, coming from your digestive tract, okay, because you could be dealing with all different types of bacterial problems, uh, imbalances, and uh, candida problems, all different types of things. But at the same time, if your white adipose tissue, which is what normally stores fat, is not able to keep up with the calories that are coming in and is not able to store fat fast enough, the primary backup system for fat accumulation is your liver. Think about that for a second. It's your liver, okay? So you're talking about storing some serious fat 
And um, this is a lifestyle problem, okay? Because the difference between the liver and your white adipose tissue, because your white adipose tissue or your adipocytes are normally designed to store fat. That's, they're normally designed for that. That's, you know, that's a normal thing. But your liver actually stores fat in regular liver cells, okay, which is different than how your body stores fat in the other areas. Again, if you think about your adipocytes and that type of thing. This is not what you want because your liver is not designed to store so much fat. Now, your liver gets clogged with excess fat, and then metabolism becomes even more strained, and then your waistline starts to expand. And this is kind of the cascade that happens as you go along, okay? Another thing that happens if you have, for example, excess leptin production from your white adipose tissue, which can cause a depression in what's called adiponectin. Now, adiponectin is the companion hormone for leptin, but it actually deals with uh, your insulin and actually deals with helping you ward off type 2 diabetes. Okay. So, but if you have low adiponectin, for example, this can cause insulin re resistance in your liver, which raises your blood sugar and simultaneously converts sugar to fat in your liver. This is a problem. Okay. So, this is again, this is a cascade that happens. As your your as fatty your your liver starting to store fat, as your waistline is starting to expand, as you're gaining weight, this is all happening simultaneously due to a, a, a lifestyle problem. So let's talk about the factors that can increase fatty liver buildup. Okay, these include your choices of food. Obviously, this is the big one. Okay, but also thyroid. Thyroid can be an issue here. Vegetable oils, huge culprit. Omega-6s are huge on this, okay? Sedentary lifestyle, the typical Western diet. These are the main factors that can lead to fatty liver buildup. Now, one of the big ones, high fructose corn syrup con, uh, consumption. That's probably, you know, at the top of the list here. Remember that high fructose corn syrup wasn't a bit, uh, wasn't an issue until maybe the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. They started putting it into the food. And of course, all our kids started drinking it and eating it and all, you know, people just started eating it because it was a cheaper, it was a cheaper thing to use in food than it was for, you know, sugar. Okay. And this is what these big companies started realizing. Okay. So obviously they, they stuck it into the food and there's a correlation between, right, fatty liver buildup in the 80s starting to build up uh, into the 90s and 2000s with the consumption of high fructose corn syrup. You can just see it, okay? Now, the most provocative factors of high fructose corn syrup produce uh, fructose-rich foods and uh, beverages, table sugar, and sucrose, okay? When, when these sugars are combined with a high-fat diet, the pro-inflammatory effects to the liver are significant and obviously affect metabolism, okay? So this is, this is where everything gets magnified, okay? Now, sucrose, okay, for example, you know, we take a look at these sweeteners, okay? Sucrose, you have high fructose corn syrup, you have, you know, sucrose, and, you know, sucrose is table sugar and is made of fructose and glucose, okay? But high fructose corn syrup is a mixture of fructose and glucose. So it's not a natural thing. Okay, think about this. You have fructose that's in, so for example, simple sugars that are in your fruit. Okay, that's normal fructose. Okay, and then you have sucrose. But when you have high fructose corn syrup, which was actually made out of um, corn, 
and it's actually genetically modified corn, this is a problem because the storage in your body is completely different when you're dealing with high fructose corn syrup. And it's in everything. It's in your syrups. It's in all different types of salad dressing. It's in your, you know, all different types of packaged foods and your drinks and these drinks that kids are, you know, drinking these, these giant big gulps and all that type of stuff. So huge problem, huge problem. Okay. Now, can you, can you deal with this with nutrients? Well, there's, there's, you can, it can help, but it's going to be harder to reverse it. It's not, it's not, you know, that simple. Okay. But nutrient de- uh, depletion is a problem. Okay. So within, with insufficient intake of specific compounds like choline and methionine contribute to a fat buildup in the liver. Okay, so choline intake is often lacking in diets, especially if you don't eat eggs, because eggs contain you know high amounts of choline. Now, choline plays an important role in cleansing the liver uh, by properly transporting fat in the form of cholesterol and triglycerides from the liver to other parts of the body where they are needed. Okay, but studies have been uh, performed in which individuals with lower levels of choline are more at risk for liver damage. And methionine also intake is often insufficient in plant-based and restrictive diets. So if you're not eating eggs, if you're not eating, you know, if, you're, if your diet is really, really restrictive, you're not going to get a lot of choline, you're not going to get a lot of methionine, and they are very, very important in liver health. So just keep that in mind, especially if you're on a vegan diet and those types of things. You want to be able to get those sources from, you know, as much as you can, okay? Sluggish thyroid function can also affect fatty liver, okay? Because the liver play. now keep in mind that the liver plays an important role in the uh, conversion of thyroid hormone, okay, specifically T4 to T3. So if you are a person that is struggling with thyroid problems, okay, or you're struggling with conversion, you have to make sure your liver is in, in great shape because if, if it's not, it's going to affect the conversion of T4 to T3. Therefore, you know, you're going to feel sluggish, right? Your liver is going to be sluggish and it can, it, it can overall impair your thyroid function because you have to remember it's a two-way relationship between your liver and your thyroid. That there's, this, there's this two-way interplay that, you know, that, that works. It's a two-way highway basically, okay? So keep that in mind. Another thing, soybean oil, okay? Recent animal studies demonstrated that high-fat cholesterol-rich diet that contains soybean oil caused cholesterol and fat to accumulate in liver cells. Soybean oil clogged the metabolic fat-burning activities in liver cells of mice. It also induced damage to the mitochondria. So now soybean oil can clog your liver, cause damage to mitochondria, therefore you have a sluggish liver and you're sluggish overall because now your mitochondria is affected keep that in mind, okay? And most of the soybean oil, by the way, is genetically modified, okay? Another thing to think about, okay? This can also affect your gallbladder, right? Because remember, your gallbladder is what stores bile, right? If your liver is getting punched in the nose by too much fat, by too much oil, all these types of things, and then it has to work with the gallbladder, this is a problem. This can actually lead to gallbladders not working properly, getting stagnant, and there's tons of gallbladder surgeries that are going on every single day, right? It's a major surgery these days, okay? Another thing to think about, okay? Um, Fatty liver and metabolic stress, okay? So 
fatty liver buildup usually does not cause symptoms early on. You can actually have a fatty liver, and you can also be thin and have a fatty liver, by the way, okay? But metabolic syndrome, okay, it often occurs with people with metabolic syndrome. What is metabolic syndrome? High blood pressure, high blood sugar, high cholesterol, high triglycerides, right? So it can occur in folks who have those issues, okay? So it's not just about gaining weight also. It could also be in folks that have those types of issues. So, you know, there's a balance here because, you know, your liver, if it's sluggish and is dealing with fat, okay, it's not going to be able to detox properly. It's not going to be able to... Um, it's not going to be able to do everything that it's supposed to be able to do as far as phase one and phase two detoxification because your liver does detox in, in two main ways. That detoxification is not going to work properly. And it's going to be shooting a lot of cholesterol because now, remember, your liver has to <clears throat> make a lot more cholesterol when your body's dealing with a lot of inflammation, right? That's one of the byproducts of it. So if you're dealing with tons of inflammation, whether it's thyroid issues, whether it's overall inflammation in various uh, areas of the body, your liver has to make more cholesterol to deal with the inflammation, to deal with, to get your fat-soluble nutrients to all different areas of the body. So obviously your cholesterol is going to be a lot higher. I mean, you're talking about a cascade of issues that, you know, that this can affect, okay? So it's a a big problem. So um, those are the issues, right? Fatty liver, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, big problem. And, and is this happening now and even in younger kids, they're finding. So what do we do? What are the tips to help us keep our liver healthy? So let's go over them really, really quickly, okay? Number one, you want to avoid foods and beverages with added sugar and high fructose corn syrup. Table sugar isn't, uh, you know, obviously in many processed foods, but you want to, you know, try to reduce that as much as possible. Now, the American Heart Association recommends that men should consume no more than nine teaspoons of or 36 grams of added sugar per day. For women, the recommendation is no more than six teaspoons or 25 grams of added sugar per day. Okay. People are getting way more than that. I know people are getting mine because I don't consume that much as well. Number two, avoid refined or ultra processed foods and beverages. Avoid foods with trans fats. Number three, reduce or avoid alcohol, obviously, okay, because alcohol can make it a lot worse, especially if you're dealing with, now, if you have have that from food and then you put the alcohol on top of that, you're really doing a job on your liver. Number four, reduce or avoid intake of soybean oil, okay, take time to read your packaged food labels and ask questions, okay, especially when you're eating at a restaurant, ask a lot of questions if you can, okay, I know people don't want to do that, they don't want to, you know, be a pain at the restaurant, but you know what, if it's a healthier restaurant, or if it's a restaurant that has healthy options, then maybe you can take a look at that, okay, number five, choose whole unrefined foods and at least 80% 80 to 90% of the time, and this is what I talk about all the time when it comes to diet, right, 80-20, you want 80% of your diet to be fresh fruits and vegetables, you know, whole grains, the, the good stuff, okay? 20% of your diet, that's fine. I don't recommend, I don't, you know, obviously the goal, you know, the 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 best thing would be 100%, but nobody does that, okay? And you want to leave room to have some fun. You want to leave room to have some good, especially parties and, and social celebration and all that type of stuff. That's fine. So I say 80-20, okay? 80% eating good stuff, 20% 
eating the junk, okay? And if you have an overall good lifestyle, especially with the, uh, with the, you know, exercise and all that type of stuff, stress management, that 20% is not going to be as a big deal to you as if you don't, as if you didn't have that. Keep that in mind, okay? Increase fiber intake to at least 25 to 40 grams per day. This is going to help you not only in the bathroom, this is going to help your gut, this is going to help friendly fiber, this is going to help you um, ward off, you know, diverticulosis, diverticulitis, all that, which a lot of people have as well. Okay. And again, try to reduce the amount of omega-6 oils or the processed stuff, the processed oils that you're eating. That is huge. That is one of the biggest drivers of this, the omega-6 oils. So another thing, another tip, by the way, you want to increase your omega-3s, okay? Your salmons, your 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 wild-caught salmons, your, you know, your seafoods, your, your good seafoods. And, um, you know, eat much more of that type of stuff. Anything that gives you good omega-3s, that is going to help you balance with the omega-6s. Because right now, our ratios of omega-3 to omega-6 omega is like 15 to 1, for example. Omega-6 versus omega-3. So you want to bring up that omega-3 to try to bring it more in balance with the omega-6. And then the only way you're going to be able to... Um, affect omega-6 really is to try to bring it down as much as possible, okay? You're never going to get omega-6 out of your diet 100%. It's just impossible. There's just too much omega-6s, omega-6 oils in your diet. It's just way too much. But we can try to put the odds in our favor by lowering it as much as possible and bringing up the omega-3s. And if you want to bring up the omega-3s as well, if you want to take a fish oil supplement, my suggestion would be to get it from a really reputable supplement company that uses the triglyceride form of fish oil. You want to get at least a thousand, a thousand milligrams of fish oil, if at all possible, EPA and DHA. Flax seeds is, is very good at that as well. You can add flaxseed to your your cereals, to your oatmeals, those types of things. But try to bring up your your omega threes, bring down your omega sixes. That's going to help. And number seven <clears throat> uh, is follow follow a good diet. I follow the leptin diet. I don't eat after dinner. Okay. I eat three meals a day. I allow five to six hours between my meals and I do not snack. I don't eat large meals. You know, I try to have my meals, you know, uh, you know, not where they're going to, you know, give me so bloated or so full after it that I can't do anything else. Okay. Um, I eat a high protein breakfast. I add at least 20 to 30 grams of protein, of good quality protein to my breakfast. And I reduce the amounts of carbohydrates that I eat, but I do not limit them. I do not cut my carbs, you know, down to zero. I bring my carbs down and I bring my to my protein up. And that's how I eat. And this is a great way, especially if you're allowing five to six hours between your meals, you're allowing time for your liver to do its job to try to, you know, to try to get back, you know, to detoxing and get getting back to doing its job. Okay. And if you don't eat after, let's say seven o'clock, for example, and then you don't eat again till later on in uh, later in the morning, that's a great thing because, again, you're allowing your hormones to work properly. You're allowing your liver to do whatever it needs to do properly. You're just allowing you know, your body to do what it needs to do as it was designed to do and not clogging it up. Okay. Now, here's the number one thing that you can do right off the bat if you want to make sure that you, um, 
you know, lower the effects and or reverse fatty liver. Exercise. You got to exercise. Exercise creates a demand for calories to flow to muscles, helping your liver to have preferred options regarding where to send calories. Okay. There was a study with obese individuals who walked on a treadmill for one hour per day. They um, improved insulin resistance, boosted adiponectin levels, lowered free radical damage, and improved fatty liver problems. Okay. Another study showed that placing sedentary obese adults in a four-week aerobic cycling uh, class and stretching program cleared out about 21% of their, uh, their liver fat, clearly helping them to unclog their livers. Okay. Consistent exercise needs to be a part of any weight loss strategy anyway. Okay. But this is going to help you. It's not only going to help you lose weight, going to help you unclog your liver. It needs to be maintained following weight loss to ensure that your body stabilizes. Okay. Stabilizes uh, while you make new and more metabolically fit fat cells over time. And keep in mind that exercise turns on genes that enhance metabolic function and that simply turn, uh, you know, that will turn on to help you if you are a person who is not normally active. So if those genes are not turned on because you've been sedentary, once you start exercising, you're changing those gene switches. That's huge, huge stuff. Okay. So exercise is something you can do right away. Get started. Number one. Okay. And then you combine that with your good food, your 80, 20 rule, your leptin diet, if you're going that way, okay, and then maybe some supplementation that works well as you know as well. Again, comprehensively, that's what we're looking to do to ward off fatty liver. Remember, fatty liver, you may not have signs of it, you may not have symptoms of it in the beginning. Keep that in mind, okay? So there are tests that can show you know liver problems, liver function, or and or fatty liver. So you can take a look at those. But these are just my tips on helping. It's a big problem. It's a big problem everywhere. But um, you can, it can be helped. It can be reversed. And, or you can prevent it. Obviously, prevention is the number one key here, right? So just keep in mind, uh, those of you who want to keep your liver in good shape. All right. And finally, just some words of wisdom from uh, a 100-year-old MD and nutritionist. This is John Scharfenberg. He's an MD, physician, nutritionist, and he was a professor of nutrition at Loma Linda University for 62 years. And he was also director of the International Nutrition Research Foundation in Riverside, California. Okay. He's 100 years old, going strong, and he has just a couple of tips for those of us looking to lead an overall health lifestyle and hopefully live to 100 like he is. So check this out. The World Health Organization agrees to it. American Heart Association, uh, the European Cardiology Society, they all agree to this, that if you avoid seven risk factors, lifestyle factors, you can reduce the risk of a heart attack or stroke, cardiovascular disease, 80%. You can reduce the risk of getting diabetes, 88%. Now, what are these seven risk factors? Tobacco, alcohol, inactivity, no exercise, overweight, and then they said too much meat and sugar. They added two others. They were uh, high blood pressure and high blood cholesterol, 
Okay. If you just do the first five, you don't have to worry about the other two, because those first five help to keep your blood pressure down and your cholesterol down. Okay. So this is kind of exciting. Without any medicine, we can lower the risk of heart attack and stroke 80%. Now that to me is really exciting. You don't have to have all these pills. Now cardiovascular disease is killing more people than the next five leading causes of death combined. And here we don't need any medicine for it. Mm. Just lifestyle, exercise, no tobacco, alcohol, mm. this kind of thing. Yeah. Keep your weight down. It, so it, it's kind of exciting. But doctors haven't really accepted this mm. yet. So look at that. You know, I tell you, if I live to 100 years old, I want to be like that guy. Okay. So just some, again, just something for you guys to take with you. And uh, I love looking at folks like that who just uh, make you feel good and have a good outlook on life. And uh, he certainly does. So follow his example. All right, guys. Uh, that's it for this week. Hope you guys have a great week. Make sure you take care of yourselves. Make sure you take care of each other. And don't forget, control your health. Have a great week.